What's up, everybody, and welcome to PPR Podcast number 130. This is the Week 9 Review Show and Week 10 Preview Show. As always, I'm Chase Isidoro, and there's Bo Fertig yeah. back on the podcast. Yeah. Bo, we're into Week 10. We're into the business end of things now. It's Double be, digits. You know, league championships are on the line, playoff seedings on the line. It's We're really getting into the big thick of things when it comes to these football yeah. games with so many great matchups. Let's start, though, with Week 9 because we did have some big games, especially University City beating Scripps Ranch. They were down 23-14 to 14 at halftime. You're 0-7. You have to have this one. No disrespect to UC, no disrespect to Scripps Ranch, but UC has to go and play Lincoln next, and then they have to go play Madison. You're looking down, possibly not getting a win all season with what this program has been, where they've been the last couple of years, losing all those guys, still having great talent, but going against tough teams. You have to have it, and they come back and win 33-30. to uh, 30 to take down a very good Scripps Ranch team. I mean, just a great moment for those kids. Yeah, and Scripps Ranch had been playing well up until that point. Quentin Damara and Josh Dixon, what a combination to watch. They are fun, they are exciting, big play after big play. Dixon's averaging 25 yards per reception, so big playability there. They still have Ramon Rodriguez, a good defender, and Jack Stahl. So that's a Division II team that is on the outside looking in for playoffs. Their strength of schedule is definitely up there when you look at other Division II teams. I would hate to play University City if they did make the playoffs, but because of that one win, it's going to be definitely difficult for them to get in. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's going to be so tough for them because you're only having one win in the schedule. Yeah. Plus, you're, you know, they're probably going to lose the next two games. Maybe, you know, Madison will probably be a, a very good test for them. Maybe, you know, especially if they're not going to be in the and playoffs. And if they beat Madison, that'd be a, huge. a quality D1 team, any D1 team is quality when you play in Division Two. If they win that Madison game, they have an argument to make. Absolutely. And then I think they would be a very tough team going into the playoffs because we know what they're capable of. They yeah. can put up points. That hasn't been the problem. It's been, you know, not being up to the quality of some of the people that are on their schedule, which yeah. is unfortunate. But a huge game, one they had to have right. against a hot Scripps Ranch yep. team. DeMar goes out there, 17-22, 347 yards and three touchdowns. Dixon, six catches for 179 yards and two touchdowns. Ramon Rodriguez, who probably doesn't get any love on the show, no. you know, because we've showed Dixon and DeMar he's so much. He's been a three-year guy at that program, he's been, too. He's been great and behind yeah. some great players. Um, but 96 total yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner. But it comes down to Jalen Adams getting the game-winning interception. You'd love to see it. Love yeah. to see a defensive, the defensive, side. defensive side winning it. I mean, that's just so awesome for those guys. I love the soundbite they had at the end. Man, I knew it was going to come to me. We knew we've been practicing all week for this. That was nothing yeah. special, oh, nothing yeah. new. Yeah. We've been practicing all day for that. And, and you know what I mean? They they didn't they didn't believe in us, but who did? You can tell it was like you know a weight off their shoulders. Oh, no like, doubt. They're off the schneid, as right. one would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a huge win for them. I'm so happy for those guys. And you know, hopefully, you know, maybe they pull off another upset, and you know, hopefully they get into playoffs. And we'd love to see them play uh, in playoffs as well. But now we get on to the Avocado League. Five and three Mission Hills now after beating LCC to send them to five and three, 28 to 21. Jaden Williams, 12 catches for 170 yards, a touchdown, a crucial two-point conversion as well. Keaton Smith, the quarterback turned wide receiver, four catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. Giovanni Harte, 26 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. Troy Hewn looked great on the night. 19 to 25 for 309, two touchdowns. He had to pick. He had to be in a game where they needed him to drive down. And, you know, if you're going to lean on anyone, it has to be Jaden Williams. He's a great wide receiver, great on the defensive side of the ball as well. But, you know, this avocado league just continues to be just everyone beats up on each <laughs> yep. other. 
Yeah. I can't even decide who's pulling away here. I mean, obviously, we can look at Carlsbad. But it's one week. It's like, all right, they beat up them. They beat up them. Everyone's kind of just pointing at each other. Yeah. You know? And it, we'll get into the Helix Granite game later, but it muddles things for those Division ones to open division teams because for me in the Avocado League, no one is necessarily dominating that league other than Carlsbad. So to me, it kind of leaves the open division, Granite and Helix, no matter what happens in that game, those guys stay in the open because that Avocado League, I mean, we could probably say at this point that the championship game in Division One there's as good as odds as any, at least one of those teams will be in that championship game. I think so too. Uh, it's hard for me to tell which one though. That's the crazy right. part yeah. because they are, they play so similar too. You know, maybe you look at El Camino, they have a lot bigger size. Maybe you look at Mission Hills having, you know, maybe some bigger stars, I guess, especially on the defense side of the ball. Maybe you look at LCC as probably being the more rounded team with a lot of athletes. One player in particular that we need to shout out, Sergio Garcia, had the scoop and score to take it to the house. Yeah almost sent it into overtime on the kickoff return. He's been great all year, and I think he, he needs to be talked about more. He's going to be great junior this year. He's going to be even better next year as a senior. Can't wait to see more from him. Almost was the game changer to win this game. Right. Unfortunately, they came up just a bit short, but it came down to Jonathan Class making another big play on the fourth down to sack Quinn Roth or get the pressure on Quinn Roth to force the incompletion. He has stood out. And he needs to be talked about more in the mm -hmm. conversation for Defense Player of the Year. We'll get right. more into that later in the podcast. Class, in every big game I've seen him play, he plays big. He plays up to the moment, shines when the lights are the brightest. I saw him in the D1 game last year against Modern Day, and he played big in that one as well. But I love the Keaton Smith story, right? Was the starting quarterback last year for the uh, D1 runner-up. He comes out and he plays receiver, and it just goes to show when you're an athlete, anywhere on the field, you can make big plays at any position. Mission Hills, what a great win for them. I had LCC just on the outside of the open division around five or six, and yeah, the, uh, the way they competed against Granite Hills in that opening week, it, it was great to see them compete and then continue to get better throughout the year and put together a staple win against LCC. Absolutely, and we've got to get on to another Avocado League matchup. I was on my phone. And I, when I saw a halftime score, right. Torrey Pines was up 7-0 on Carlsbad. I was like, are the birds going to do it? Right. It, it would be the ultimate trifecta of upsets. And it comes down to the defense once again. Mm -hmm. 11 minutes drive on the first drive of the game for Jake Sweeney to, to send the, the Falcons up 7-0. Then you have huge fourth down stops, stopping them in the red zone against Carlsbad. Send the game into halftime where Carlsbad's like, all right, we need to... I want to hear the halftime talk of we can't drop this game, you know, and they go out there, obviously pulling off the win, huge play to Rosenblum over the middle that he takes, I believe, 70 yards to the house. Mason Walsh had a big run. Jude McClellan on the defensive side, two sacks. But this Torrey Pines defense, I think it needs to be put up there. You know, maybe it's not in our eyes on the same level as Lincoln, on the same level as Granite. It's probably third. Yeah. It's probably up there. I mean, they've, they've shut out, not shut out, but he, they've shut down effective offenses that we've seen every single week and come out on top against them. You know, it's a, it's a loss for the Falcons ultimately, but, you know, huge in our eyes of where they can go this year. Well, how big, right? Uh, Mid-season coaching change, and then they just turn that program around. You rarely see that at the high school level, let alone in Division One. Those opening drives, when you can take up majority of the clock, it takes away all the momentum. You hear about how do you stop the other person's offense. It's keeping them off the field. And all the momentum was taken away in that first half because of that long drive. But eventually, 
Carlsbad got it going. It's Julian saying it's the best quarterback in the country, and eventually they just they scored more points in the second half. And I think we talk about the game now on Saturday night. Lincoln, the one I was on the sideline for, Lincoln beating St. Augustine 42-7. to You know, I think when you look at these teams, which is probably the obvious thing, when you're like, all right, we're the underdogs. We're going into this against a massive opponent. Yep. You're probably going to want to control the clock. You want to run the ball effectively. And to St. Augustine's credit, I think they did that pretty well. And I think they were effective at doing that. William Flores, the freshman, mm-hmm. I mean, just an impressive game. Week in so, and week out. Just, you know, nothing too crazy, nothing too big against Lincoln, but just little chunk plays that kept them driving down the field. But I think it just highlights how good this Lincoln defense is mm-hmm. when the margin of error is so small. You know, everyone's going to make mistakes. It's high school kids playing football. Any football game is going to have mistakes. But not only does Lincoln capitalize on it, they turn critical mistakes to fatal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one little pass that you're on the left hash, you're throwing over the other side of the field where it's a lot of space. The ball doesn't get out there with that much zip. And I don't even think saying that Lincoln's defenders are hungry on every single play, they're starving. Yeah. They, are, they, they, they go after every pass like it's the last interception they're ever going to get. They approach every tackle the same way. It's impressive how they fly around to the ball. And that's what we saw with the interceptions on the day. Keontae McClay, two, inter, two huge intercept, uh, interceptions. Isaiah Bart- Bartolome. Bartolome, yeah. thank you. Huge play as well. Marcos Pena with the scoop and score on the punt. I mean, these guys that don't get the big shine really showed out. And, you know, that's kind of my view of it because it was my first time seeing them in person it's you know the tape never lies but you pick up little things when you're there on the ground that that you don't normally see and this Lincoln team I think they're starting to pull away in my eyes in terms of who is the best team in this county and I think honestly that might be the best defense in the state Bartolome stood out to me last year in that live televised game against Modern Day, and he's just been making big plays after big plays throughout the season. It's just one guy to the whole bunch of players on the defensive side. It helps when your offense also puts up points, right? It makes the other offense one-dimensional, and we know St. Augustine, they love to run the rock. They love to control the time of possession, but when you're down three or four scores, it's nearly impossible to do that, and the defensive ends can pin their ears back, get after the quarterback and it's not like it makes it easier for a defense it it does make it easier for a defense when an offense is more one-dimensional but this defense from the defensive front to the back is as good as it gets in San Diego and for Saints almost wanting to kind of be one-dimensional they did have some pass plays where especially in that first half I thought Brady Palmer made some really great plays where he had to put it but that's the thing he had to put it there right because and there was one where it was like a, a great pass on a little out route and it was almost picked you know, it's just, it's, that's the margins when you're coming against Lincoln. And to be that effective just little by little on the run plays, but still on the first time they throw it, it's almost a pick every time. I mean, that's just the type of defense we're talking about. I thought Saints looked good. I really did. You know, 21 nothing and a half is a different scoreline than you think, but it was a lot closer than that. Their defense played up to the level against a very good Lincoln offense. I thought they looked great. I thought it was a great showing of where they can go. But, man, it's just so crazy how effective Lincoln is when it's those mistakes and they capitalize almost every single time. I mean, it's got to hurt. It's the defensive side for Lincoln, but also the offensive side gets overlooked. Achilles Smith, best quarterback in his class. And then for me, the best duo on the outside, Dre Gardner, probably the best, if not one of the best wide receivers. And then you tag him up with Isaiah Grant. That's a great duo on the outside. And they still have guys in the backfield that can handle the rock. Gray as well, just going deep. I mean, those wide receivers probably don't get so much love because one, 
all their starters are out by halftime, right. so their stats right. don't look as yeah, good. That's true. And then they have like two catches for 190. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> right. It's every single time. It's I, I'm I'm almost sick and tired of the 90 yard touchdowns. It's right. like, dude, I I got to pick other schools for play of the week this year, guys. Well. Um, and you know, back to back now for Lincoln. But that's just how good they are. It's going to be tough for them to beat. Might as well get into the top nine right yeah. now. Um, for myself, I have Lincoln as the one. Uh-huh. I was talking to a coach over the weekend, and you know, I was trying to explain as you know how I really do think Lincoln and Carlsbad is one A one B for most of this year. And I had Carlsbad as one, and the same similar situation with Granite and Helix, you know, as that three A three B. And they're like, hey, we don't give out two trophies; right. we give out one. So yeah. I, in fairness, I think I think is now as great a time as ever to actually solidify I think Lincoln is the one okay and I think while Carlsbad is a great team and it's not like Lincoln's unbeatable they're not no nope. kids playing high school football but while I think they're a great team Carlsbad I just think what Lincoln is capable of on both sides of the ball especially for how young they are right that's something that gets overlooked is we look back to that 2021 Cathedral team where they won the state title and they just had stars at every level O-line D-line safeties whatever you want to call it it's, it was stars all over, and then they had to replace like eight guys on their defense. Still a great team, but nowhere near that level. Mm-hmm. Lincoln has had to replace eight guys on their defense, and it's like, and now we're having the argument of, is this defense better? I mean, Well, not it, better, but I mean, it's still the best in the county. It, it might be the best in the state. I yeah. mean, that's, that's what's crazy is we're talking which team is better. The team that won a state title yeah. or the team that's just rolling over people. Well, they barely beat Carlsbad in that championship yeah, game. It's very, so. tr- very true, and you know they had tough, tough times against De La Salle, but ultimately yeah. came out on top. I mean, I think Lincoln is separating themselves, though. Not because of the Carlsbad being down to Torrey Pines. Um, that could happen to anybody. Right. But I think what I've seen in person from them, they are going to be the toughest people yeah. to stop. Granite Helix, the big game this week. We're going to find out this week. For me, I have Granite going in ahead of Helix as mm-hmm. three over four. Uh, I do think that one is very, very close. We'll talk more on that. I still have Del Norte at five. Torrey Pines at six, even with their loss. I have El Camino at seven. Mission Hills moving up to eight for me. I had them okay. unranked. Okay. Uh, Cathedral staying at nine. LCC dropping out for now. Um, I, so really, the only movement was Mission Hills after their great win. But those, the, that chunk of teams is there's so many of that finger pointing of yeah. well they beat them, but they beat them, and then they beat them. So it's it's a really a big mixture of teams right there. Lincoln has to be one state champs. They beat Carlsbad last year, even though Carlsbad has the best quarterback in the country. Granite has to be above Helix because state champs beat them last year. You got to give them that, even though I think Helix has the nod for this week. We'll get into that. On Max Preps, they have Lincoln, Carlsbad, Helix, Granite for top four. Mission Hills, five. Torrey Pine, six. Seven, Cathedral Catholic. Eight, El Camino. Nine, LCC. And I'm good with five through nine. I'm good with one through four, actually. Uh, with Max Preps, the way they have it set up, I, I can agree and I could, see, um, I could see why that is. Absolutely. And it's still a little bit muddled right now. Obviously, this will clear up probably by the time playoffs start as yep. far as where we actually think all these teams are ranked heading in. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, playoffs is going to be another, you know, they beat them and they beat them scenario. Right. Who, who knows how it's going to all play out. But now let's get into the week nine previews. Game of the week. 8-0 Helix at 8-0 Granite Hills. It's a shame that this might be a scenario where one of these teams doesn't get into the open division. Mm. But if this is the replacement, if this is the replacement of we might not see these teams in the playoffs against each other, and you get Helix at Granite trying to redeem themselves after the four-overtime loss with an open division spot on the line, with the Grossmont Hills League on the line, sign me up. 
Yeah, right. Uh, these teams have been on a roll. They've been dominating on both sides. I say I like Granite Hills more. That comes down to the trenches for me. But I still think the Helix offense is one that can be a disruptor to a Granite defense. I think the Granite defense can be the one that's the disruptor for the yeah. Helix offense. The other sides of the ball, I do think Helix has a very good defense. And I think Granite Hills might get the better of them offensively because of that O-line, because of the running game with Turner and Jackson. So that's why I have the edge with Granite Hills. But I'm, I'm, this might be another four-overtime game. This is going to be the best game of the it's season. It's so hard yeah. to de- decipher who's going to come out on top. It goes either way. I think the one player that it might end up coming down to is Rylan Jesse. Because they yep. haven't had to lean on him. Nope. When he's a great quarterback mm-hmm. and he's great at being effective, you know, sure, they can run the ball off to uh, Kevin Allen all they want. And he had a huge game against Cathedral, which was their, pretty much their closest game the last couple weeks. <clears throat> but then you looked at Ryland, he was effective. He just one touchdown, wasn't lining it up. I think he had like 150 yards. But he made all of his completions and made all of his attempts worth it. I think if he does that, there might be times where it's going to get down to the, to the wire and he might need to make a couple big plays. Ryland might be the difference in this game. The psychology in sports, we, I don't think we talk about it enough. Granite Hills, both sides, Helix and Granite, had this game circled on their schedule, but Helix even more. Guys like Ryland Jesse, guys like Kevin Allen, returners, they still feel the pain from that game. And in these type of games, I would say the psychological advantage is definitely on the side of Helix. And for that, that's kind of where I give them an edge. In the trenches, I'd say they, they're equal. They all, they, on both sides of the ball, have athletes on both sides of the ball in the skilled positions. Both great backfields. Kevin Allen, to me, the best running back in the county, but Granite has the best backfield in the county with the one-two combo of Jackson and Turner. So for me, as you, the edge goes to Ryland Jesse. Benitez has gotten better week in and week out. We saw the freshman struggle in that opening week against a really good Mission Hills team, but he still pulled out that game with a win, which is huge in my eyes for a freshman quarterback to do. He's getting better. The downfield throws are becoming more apparent that he's able to make that. So it's going to keep those defenses a little bit more balanced, a little bit more back, not stacking the box. But for me, this is a Ryland Jesse game. We haven't talked about him a lot this season for obvious reasons because the defense has been good and Kevin Allen has been tremendous. This is a testament to see how good Kevin Allen is. If he balls against his Granite Hills team, clear favorite as far as getting onto the podium. But uh, what a great game. For this game to be this late in the season and to be the best game of the season says a lot about it. I think it's, it's a beautiful matchup with so much on the line. And, you know, the budding of a rivalry that yep. hopefully we could see for many more years right. to come. I do think it's going to come down to the quarterback play because you look at, you know, running backs, running backs, some of the best in the county. Right. You know, offensive weapons on the outside, some of the best in the county. Yep. Defensive players. There's so many standouts. It's going to come down to who has the moment. At Turnovers, the, at special the, teams At the quarterback too. position. Yeah. You know, is it the freshman or is it the senior? And I'm not going to lean one way or the other, but I, I think one of them will have their shining moment to win this game, in my opinion. If this game is close, keep Lincoln or keep Lincoln, Carlsbad, Helix, and Granite in the open. Keep Helix and Granite in the open. I, I think there if, has- if the game is close, if it's a one-sided affair, the the team that loses has to be bumped down to Division One. You know, when I when I looked at it, it it seems like the one who has you know it still could go the other way as well. But it seems like if Granite loses, their strength of schedule will hurt them more yeah. of not making right. it. Where Helix maybe because of how the avocados played out, they might still be okay. It's going to be tough to decide, but it would be a shame if this goes down to the wire 
and then one of these teams isn't in there. Yeah. I think, you know, we saw a team deserving of making the Open, which was Poway. Are they up to that level of, of making it last year? Probably not, and that's what we saw against um, when they played Carlsbad. But I think when you look at teams that have been deserving of it, it's been these four, yep. in my opinion. And that's no, yep. nothing against those other teams. But I would love to see a scenario where somehow these are the four in the Open. Because they can play with each other. How often has it been in the previous seasons that we've had a clear top four for this long throughout the season? I can't remember the last time. So because of that, I'd say keep these teams in the top four. Let them play it out. And, you know, we're talking about other banners possibly going down now. A lot going on in the South Bay. Yeah. You know, Maybe clinchers, not exactly clinchers. There could be tiebreakers, but huge games nonetheless. Metro Pacific, Chula Vista at Castle Park. We saw Chula Vista put on a great performance against Southwest. You were there personally. Yeah. You know, that's a huge one for them. What do you see going on in that one? Chula's good this year, man. They're, they are balanced on the offensive side. Elijah Gillespie, 12 receiving touchdowns, one touchdown shy of the school record. That has been the record for 40-plus years. So that says a lot about their offense. Isaac Baca can sling the rock. And they have two running backs in the backfield, Ladarian Perkins and Pablo Alvarez, two guys that can carry the tote week in and week out. Uh, so for them to have a dual-headed backfield says a lot. And they have defensive guys as well. Frankie Almeida was a defensive player of the year last year in the Metro Pacific. So on both sides of the ball, they're good. It's going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, but Castle Park, what a great job Paco Silva has done with that program. We haven't talked about them a lot um, because they're playing a lesser schedule and unfortunately because they play in the South Bay. But what a big game for them. Crosstown rivals, when you go back to the 90s, like this was the game. Castle Park, Chula Vista, uh, about a mile separating them both. So that's going to be a good one. On the other side for the Metro South Bay, Sweetwater and Olympian is going to come down to this game. Olympian first-year head coach Brad Carter, 4-4, four and four, winning their last three or four, playing exceptional ball right now. Beat Otai a couple weeks ago in the Battle of the O, first time in seven years. Sue High, right? This team started 0-4 and, and have won their last three or four. So just tremendous time for both of these teams to be playing at the level where they want to be playing at this time of the season. On Thursday against Montgomery, 600 rushing yards chase, four guys with over 100 rushing. Suhai has found their groove on the offensive side. Can Olympian stop their run? That's what it's going to come down to. And for Olympian, it's Jake Marshall, CJ Clavier on the defensive side. These guys were the big offseason names that we were looking for from Olympian. They showed out against Hilltop in a convincing 36-14 win. But it's their sophomore quarterback, Jacob Fuentes. Christian Noriega left that program that not necessarily left in shambles, but who's going to play quarterback now? And we have a first-year head coach. What are we going to do? And Jacob Fuentes has done an exceptional job week in and week out, just getting better. That's going to be a fun one. Sue High and Olympian. But... It's the Metro Mesa. It's the best league in the South Bay. The top two teams, Eastlake, Modern Day. Modern Day is finding their groove after starting the season 0-3. Eastlake started 0-5. They've won their last three. So this is a game that is definitely favored by Modern Day. But when you talk about series, looking at the series, from 2004 to about 2020, it was all Eastlake winning 9 of 11. 
but the last two seasons has been all Modern Day dominating the competition. Modern Day definitely has the advantage. There's too many guys on the offensive and defensive side, but it's nice to see Isak starting to get it going later in the season. I agree, and I think in a, in a year where it kind of seems down for the South Bay, yeah. we haven't seen so many front runners. Um, it's kind of nice because we talk about the avocado league with all these teams beating up on each other. It's been like that in all the leagues in yeah, the South Bay. Right. You know, I was shocked to see Montgomery, you know, lose that game against Sweetwater. But it's all, it's also you look at Sweetwater and the way they've been running the ball. They are effective. Yeah. And you know, they lost the game in the in the dense dense fog that I was at against Otai. Um, but then Otai has been looked better now with with a new quarterback as well. So it's 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 awesome to see the the parity between these teams be so close especially when you have banners on the line. You know, yep. They might not be the top teams in this county, but when it's on the line, you're going to see these kids play for a chance to be remembered or at least hung a banner in their gym forever. It, it'll be awesome. I think when you look at that Eastlake Modern Day game, this is a time where Eastlake can at least go out there and show what they're made of because this is the game. This is the game where you're, you're not just fighting for the league title. You're showing that you're on the same level yeah. of this Modern Day program. You know, Obviously, Modern Day does have the huge advantage, but I want to see Eastlake go out there and put up a fight that we know they are capable of. Eastlake plays Modern Day really well. For whatever reason, you just find some programs that play other programs really well. And this is a game Modern Day should win by double digits, but yeah. that's not always the case when you play against Eastlake. And then now we have, you know, not exactly a clincher, but a massive game in the Central League, Hoover at Claremont. We've seen this Hoover team be able to put up a lot of points. Mm -hmm. We've seen this Claremont team and a cool story they've been on with right. all the guys from the Madison State winning title team as the coaching staff. You know, this will be a great game. I believe it will be the city game of the week this week. I'll have to double check on that. Yeah. But, you know, just awesome for both these programs to both be fighting for a league title with San Diego High out of the Well, I was of, just going to say. From the top ropes. I mean, coming in and beating two huge games for them. I mean, it's the Central League has been heating up these last couple weeks. San Diego beat the top two contenders in that league in Hoover and Kearney. So, to me, San Diego... Two top-level offenses, yeah. too. Like, those guys have been putting up points, and that's been San Diego's biggest problem. Right. And out of nowhere, they, they come in there and put Yeah, we got to start We got to start talking about San Diego more. They just beat the two best teams in that league, and they're the front-runner right now to win that one. A lot of athletes out there, too. A yeah. lot of guys that play basketball and mm -hmm. football as well. I mean, San Diego is coming alive right at the right time for them. That would yep. be awesome for them if they could pull it off. Congratulations to Coach Reed. But now it's a it's do-or-die between Hoover and Claremont. I can't wait to watch yeah. that game. Well, we're getting to that point of the year. It's almost November now, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're getting to that point of the year where we're going to start getting into the gala and you know the awards and you know while this isn't exactly who's going to be on certain categories this is kind of how we're just feeling and you know maybe this guy gets there maybe he needs to be looked at that's kind of more of what we're talking about here yeah. so for me I'm going to start off with offensive player of the year Cody Bigley from Grossmont mm -hmm. I think he's in the conversation he has to be because he's third in receiving yards in the state of California and I think he needs to be in that conversation of possibly being on, you know, maybe a fan vote sort of scenario when it comes to Silver Pigskin. He's been so great for that program. We also, you know, Herber's been great as well as quarterback, but Bigley has been doing most of the heavy lifting on that team, getting open, making huge touchdowns all season long. 12 touchdowns in six games. That's an average of two per game. That's not too shabby. And it's great to see that gross small offense with Anthony Lawrence at head coach. He was an offensive guru in his own right. So, Bigley, what a great position for him to be in his senior year. You look at another Division three wide receiver out of El Cap, Chancellor Chapa. 
right? LCAP has been on, on the downslide for the past few games, but this is a receiver that has 14 receiving touchdowns, and I haven't seen anyone better uh, in the county when it comes to the, the receiving touchdowns. D4 quarterbacks, I want to quickly mention. Matthew Barton has over 2,000 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, two interceptions, and I know a guy you've mentioned a few times, Westview's Mason Walsh. 23 total touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's wild yeah. to have zero interceptions this late in the season. And then some D1 running backs that don't get a lot of love. Ramona running back Adrian Enriquez averaging 140 yards on the ground per game. And Steel Canyon's Jonathan Sablon averaging 150 yards per game. Those guys don't get talked about enough, so possibly offensive guys. But a guy that really stands out to me is my favorite quarterback outside of Achilles Smith and Julian Sain is Jackson Deal. He's averaging over 200 yards per game in the air and then over 100 yards on the ground. He is the modern-day high school version of Josh Allen. They run him on power. They use him in a variety of ways in their goal line package. He's a quarterback that no other quarterback is being utilized like him. So I really like him on the offensive side. And then I'll just shoot quickly in the defense. Jack Stahl is a guy at University City. I know he doesn't get a lot of love because University City has one win. He's creeping up on 100 tackles on the season. And when you talk about building a resume over the years, Jack Stahl had been that anchor on that defense for quite some time. And it's unfortunate because they only have one win that yeah. like, a lot of these guys have flown under the radar at UC. But Jack Stahl needs to be talked about more as one of the best defensive players in this county. For me, and mind you, let's say this again, we don't think these are the guys who are going to win it. We just think that you know they need to be right. in the conversation. Possible guy who could win it. I know you know Jerome Roberts is making a, a great oh, case right now. No doubt about but that. But man, if anyone's going to give him a run for his money, it's got to be Jonathan Class from Mission Hills. You know, a whole bunch of sacks, a couple picks, a couple forced fumbles. He does everything yeah. for the Grizzlies, and he does it in timely scenarios. You know, fourth down when they need it, he's there. You know, whenever you call upon him, he's there. I, I love this kid, Jonathan Class. He's a monster on the defensive line. I you know I think he will probably end up on the defensive player of the year um, category but in my opinion it starts and stops with him when it comes to who who really deserves to be on yeah. there uh, when we get to underclassmen you know we can also always talk about Keely Smith Jr. Have fun with that but yeah. man underclassmen if this kid's not on here Sir Autry from Hoover mm. over 1800 all-purpose yards and 24 touchdowns this kid is you know, it's it's really tough for a junior to make it onto the podium. But if there was one this year, it would have to be Sir Autry. I'm not saying he's going to get there, but he needs to at least be on the underclassman of the year um, list. He's been phenomenal for Hoover, and he really does everything for them. He's averaging 200 yards on the ground. No other running back is doing that in the county, but he's playing in Division Five yeah. also. And that's always the big conversation. You know, we talked about the Army-Navy La Jolla Country Day. Army-Navy had been a an exceptional team up until the point where they play a D3 team and they just get beat by a bigger, stronger, faster team. We talked about this before. The lower divisions always put up big numbers. The D1, the D2 teams, because the defenses are so good and so strong throughout 1 through 11 from the front to the back, the numbers just come up a little lower. So Sir Autry would be impactful on any team. I'm not saying that yeah. he wouldn't be. But those numbers are a bit inflated because they're putting up some big numbers in Division 5, and Hoover's also giving up a lot of points as well. And I think that's a fair argument. I really do. But, I, you know, anyone who goes and watches that kid, you realize There's, uh, it's, yeah, right. it's a quick right. realization just how yeah. good he is. Absolutely. Um, I go now to the two-way player of the year. In my opinion, Jalen Brown from Madison yeah. needs to find his way on there somehow. 
He's been great on the defensive side of the ball. He's made some great interceptions, but he's also been huge running the ball for, for Madison. I, and just a player that I don't know where he is best positioned at, probably on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, man, what he's been able to do running the ball, I, I, I think he, he's one of the better players in this county. Well, the one underclass for me, by the way, I, I would say Elijah Gillespie. Yes. Um, a, along with Sir Autry, both of those guys putting up big offensive numbers. Jaden Williams, you, you talked about him on the offensive side. He's also a defensive guy for Mission Hills as well. Uh, another Hoover guy, Xavier Williams. Leads the division with 880 receiving yards, uh, three interceptions. I believe has a couple pick sixes. He's strong on both sides of the ball. Um, that's a guy that I like. And University City, Josh Dixon. I know, once again, I'm sticking with University City, a, a team that's been overlooked throughout the season. But you talk about explosiveness, 25 yards per grab. I haven't seen that mark this year in the county. And he's going up against the best talents on the defensive side, and he's averaging a touchdown per game and seven tackles per game. Josh Dixon is fun to watch with the ball in his hands. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Now we get on to the Iron Hog. For me, I don't know who you're going to pick, but it has to be someone from Granite Hills. Yeah. You could pick anyone on that offensive line. You pick anyone on the defensive line. I think... You know, maybe it's scheme-wise that we haven't seen Demarion White, you know, get the amount of sacks that we saw last year. So if you want to go stats-wise, you might want to go to, with Moshi Talia. I think he's been great as a defensive tackle. I'm fine with either him or Demarion White um, defensively. You could go with literally anybody on the offensive yeah. line as well. But someone for granted needs to be on the Iron Hog uh, list, in my opinion. David Clifford, for me, out, out of Poway, they had that big running attack last year. He was a big part of that, and he's just gotten better this year as well. Absolutely, and then we go now to special teams. Uh, one team that probably gets overlooked all the time is the Rock Academy. Yeah. And this kid, Donald Moore from the Rock, over 500 total return yards this season, is fourth in California, averages 34 yards per return. That's pretty good. That's fourth in the nation. Yeah. So Donald Moore, for me, has to be on the special teams category in some respect. Yeah, you know, once again, it's that lower division conversation. At some point, I don't think it's going to be this season. At some point, I would like to see us have a category for lower divisions. Yeah, I think so. That's just me. I think That's so, too. I think, I think it would be good to represent them, too, because when you start looking at all these categories, you know, we tend to go for bigger because we know them in the big games and yeah. we've seen them. And then there's the argument like with Autry, like, okay, yeah, they did that, but it was against so-and-so, you know? So, like, it, for example, for me, Drake Gardner, Ty Olsen, right? Two juniors at wide receiver, athletically the best in the county. There's maybe a few others that can probably give him an argument, maybe like a Brandon Arrington, because um, he's just so fast and athletic. But Elijah Gillespie, would he be putting up those numbers if he's playing against the top talent, Ty Olsen and Dre Gardner's? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. So and I, that's where the conversation I agree. starts. I think, I think that's something we need to talk about, yeah. you know, possibly giving a best from the lower it has a, It's a great conversation, but I get both sides of it, no yeah. doubt. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and then now, I think that'll do it for us here. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, week 10 coming up, man, we're almost there. We're almost getting to the playoffs. But you guys will tune in tomorrow for PPR Podcast number 131, presented by the San Diego Strike Force. Well, Paul and Bert will sit down with Torrey Pines' Cade Wilkin, who's been a, a great defensive player for Torrey Pines. That's a Pines. great story. Yeah, yeah, and great story as well. So we'll see you guys next week.